I don't think I ever want to be called a handsome boy. It's a weird combo, right? Yeah. Because handsome's like sort of the male. Yeah, like, like it man. started off really good. And, and then, then boy, I'm like, <laughs> mm. maybe this is where I'm at in life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, look at that young thing over there. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 121 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and what do I even do here? I'm Sam and I'm back. And today is October 2th, 2017. (laughs) Before we start, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity and then there's going to be other stuff that chids should not be privy to. And Mm -hmm. there will be phlegm. Yeah. There will be phlegm. Adam is full mm-hmm. of phlegm after a fun duplication well, let's, vacation. Let's talk about fun, f- fun dip vacation. <laughs> fun dip vacation. So Adam's been gone for, for two weeks. Well, yep. well, gone for three weeks, but missed two two podcast episodes. Gone for three weeks? That can't be right. I mean, three podcast weeks. You know what I mean. You missed two. Is that true? Right? Because you missed two in between. Yeah. So the last episode you were on was it's three like weeks a, ago. It's a set that contains the real end. complicated. It's, contains, a, it's inclusive. Yeah. You know, it's, like, sure. it's like a zero indexed mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So okay. let's let's hear about your your experiences. <laughs> what for our listeners who don't know the, the epic backstory. What yeah, so, has happened? Where mm-hmm. are we? The epic backstory is that when I, I think when I turned every year since I turned 28, something has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. My body's like, you're old now, even though I was not even 30 yet. So when I hit 28, we talked about this in the past, my ass cheek fell asleep <laughs> and it Hot stayed butt. that way, except it would get warm sometimes for uh, like two months. So that was, <laughs> that was the beginning of my journey into Old age. Yeah, old age. Yeah, we had a <laughs> specific dedicated podcast episode about this called Hot Butt Legacy. Yes. But yeah. Which actually, I guess we could see, I think it's episode like 30 or something. It was a long time ago. Uh, so this this podcast is not only the documentation of our studio, but also our general life. Our just decay. our decomposing <laughs> bodies. Uh, <laughs> and then and then, around, and then about a year later, again, like close to when I was 20, turning 29, uh, I started having a lot of reflux. And, uh, and it would come in like these really bad waves and then just kind of go for a while. So this was when I was still working from Dallas. Uh, and I had an, like an entire weekend. I was just laid out because of all like the nausea and the horribleness that came out of it. Um, and ever since then, it's just been this kind of coming and going sort of thing where I'd have a good few weeks where I'd feel great, followed by a week or two where I felt like complete garbage. And uh, and at the time, I was talking to my dad about this because I got to see some doctors and stuff. And they put me on the stuff that everybody gets on, some drugs that sort of work, I guess. Hmm. And um, and I was like, we're just going to need to get surgery for that. At the time, I was like, "This is spoiler terrible." You know, he's a surgeon. He's so a surgeon. It's, it's exactly. Kind of a when you're a hammer, every problem is a nail exactly. kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I don't think it doesn't seem that you know bad. desperate or bad. So I just I just wrote it out. And but he did tell me once this starts, it just it just gets worse. That's the only path forward for you is this just gets worse. So you can wait until it's really bad and then get surgery, or you can just do it now and kind of nip that in the bud, right? But you're going to need surgery. But you're going to need surgery. But again, at the time, I was like, okay, I can, I, I bet that's probably true. You said, but, no, I'm a sprightly young man with an yeah, uncomfortably even, asleep ass. No, yeah, not even, <laughs> not even 30 surgery. yet, you know? <laughs> so, so I just figured, whatever, I'll just put up with it. Uh, and plus, you know, dealing with all the insurance things and everything because of the world we live in in America. So I just kind of wanted to avoid dealing with all of that. So I, I did avoid it. And so now if we kind of fast forward to sort of like early this year, you know, March-ish probably, uh, then I had a new wave came on and then just never stopped. And so I'd just been having reflux basically for six months, just nonstop. Um, but it still was kind of coming and going in waves. So it would like get really bad and then kind of be, and then it'd be okay again. It's like if a, just a man started following you around, just every time you ate, just punched you in the stomach. Yeah, but just, just a little bit. A little you know? bit. Just like a little. <laughs> sometimes a little harder than others, but, just you know, just not, Yeah, and so, so I was like, you know, I was taking more and more <laughs> drugs for it uh, and just kind of, just kind of riding it out. Um, but because it became, it was constant, but progressively and slowly just getting worse. Uh, I didn't realize just how bad it was getting until it got so bad that I couldn't, not notice anymore, which was basically like seven or eight weeks ago now. And at that point, it got so bad that I was just distracted all the time when I was trying to work, when I was trying to program. I just kind of could, I just felt this kind of pressure and uncomfortableness, you know, and it wasn't super painful. I'm probably lots of you out there listening have this because something like 30% of people have it, which is just part of our shitty biological design. <laughs> uh, so, 
So you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't hurt, but it's very uncomfortable and super fucking distracting. And so I just couldn't work very well. But again, it just kind of, it got worse than stayed. It just stayed it bad. And so I just kind of adapted to it in that I would just like every day, I just felt really bad and was kind of distracted. But that was just my life now. And so I kind of, that's just how it is. It's just how it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the thirties. Yeah. That's just life now. It was just how mm-hmm. it was. And then, and then so coming up then to basically, I guess four, three weeks ago now, uh, four weeks ago, um, it finally just kind of hit a peak where it was just so bad that I couldn't, there was not a moment where I could just kind of forget that, it, that I felt those sensations. And so then I called my dad up and I was like, right, I need to get this fixed. Uh, I was coming up to Iowa for a wedding anyway. And so I was like, can we just, you know, can we get one of your, pair this can we get one of your partners to just like do this? And do the just, old debauchery. Yeah. Well, I'm, perfect, you know? well, I'm in town for this wedding. Could somebody wrap my stomach or perfect, wrap my esophagus? Know? I mean, save, save a trip, you know? So, uh, so we said, yeah, because of course, you know, don't waste an opportunity to have somebody have surgery done to mm-hmm. them. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but I mean, it was awesome. You know, it's, it's great to work both to have this done in a small town uh, and also with the enormous privilege of it being my dad's practice, you know, so that, that was a pretty good deal. So I got kind of got in really fast and, and got through the whole you thing. Get the VIP, got the VIP, VIP pass. Let's talk VIP about getting stabbed in the belly. <laughs> <Yeah>. I do <laughs> want to talk about the fact that there appears to be, uh, and I'm, I'm going to call surgeons out on this. There appears to be literally zero experience design for the patient in mind. There is not a lot of, well, there, there are some things that are nice. So like the, so I guess, yeah, so, so I get to Grinnell, you know, where, where I'm getting this thing done. Um, and uh, Dr. Kuyper is my, my surgeon, did a great job. He was very, he, he wasn't, he was not part of the problem. I only saw him before all this happened. Then later on, I was unconscious. He stabbed me a bunch and then I didn't see him until I woke up. Right? It was so, great. So, so his part of the experience a was plus uh, customer but, service. But the, the rest, the rest was different, which is, uh, so, you know, you come in uh, on your surgery day, you know, so you after shower with this like antibacterial soaps that you're nice and sterile. Uh, and you come in, you sit down in a chair, take all your clothes off. Uh, so they get you hooked up in an IV. So they're ready to put drugs in you. And, uh, and then now you start getting a variable experience. Um, so if you want, <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> if you want, you, you wait an unknown period of time, depending on what's going on. Right. Uh, and if you want, you can take a drug that will just kind of make you less anxious. So that, mm-hmm. you know, so that you're feeling just like really calm and just fine when you go in. Did you take it? Um, and I did not take it because oh. I, I felt fine. You should have I wasn't it. worried. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Here's, here's a good one. Uh, this is what I learned from cancer treatment. They said, stay in front of it was their rule. So even yeah. if you're not feeling nauseous, if you're not feeling the pain right now, just, just, just if there's a, a drug, there's a reason why. <laughs> right. take, yeah. take that well, drug. But, and, and, uh, and actually the anesthesiologist I had talked to the, the week before, because I had a procedure before that to check everything out. Uh, he had offered it to me and said that that was now becoming kind of like the standard mm-hmm. that they do. Uh, but then I felt fine too. And, and I didn't need it. I felt fine going in. There was no problem there. Right. Well, that wasn't surgery. That was getting scoped and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one again, felt fine. Wasn't worried. Uh, like, I got this. and, and I had, they swapped out a new anesthesiologist who I hadn't seen yet. And apparently the way he, and he doesn't do that by mm-hmm. default, unless someone's act, like actively freaking out and then they'll you know do it. So, so that I just, I actually felt even better about my decision to not do it. Cause I was like, I don't think I need it. And this guy doesn't seem to think I do either. So perfect. You know, he's calm. He's calm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then so, you know, I'm just sitting there. I got my IV in, just kind of hanging out, just chilling. And then finally they're ready. So I get, uh, walked over to the, to the surgical room. And so that I walk in, I, I'm, the surgery is being done by a robot, which is awesome. So I mean, if you're going to get well, stabbed, it's done by a man controlling a, man a robot. Controlling a robot. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to do it, this, this apparently has like the fastest recovery time and, and the lowest you know risks and all that kind of stuff. So if you're going to get stabbed, you know, have a robot do it. It's mm-hmm. a pretty good deal. Uh, but so you walk into the OR and then you just see the robot over like on the side of the room. And, and if you imagine kind of like, I think like a fallout robot, you know, where but there's all, all these arms, arms <laughs> coming out and, and it didn't have anything on the ends of the arms yet. So there weren't like scary tools or anything, but, but it was like just this creepy from like a, yeah, there's the just this creepy vibe because there are arms coming up and it's, it's not like a humanoid robot. It's nothing humanoid at all. It's like, it a looks squid. like a spider. It's like a it's spider. Like a spider. Yeah. <laughs> so you see the spider robot in the corner of the room. Wait, what color is it? It's just gray. Perfect. It's just yep, metallic. Perfect. Perfect. Yep, gray. As cold and lifeless as possible. <laughs> right. So I walk in, I'm being walked over to the, to the bed and, and I see this thing. And my, my first thought at the time was actually, Oh, it's oh, cool. It's, you know, it's a robot. Cause I'm just kind of pumped about this. Uh, its little arms are sticking out. And then as I started getting on the bed, I was like, those arms are going to be in my guts. Yeah. You know? 
And that started to kind of weird me out a little bit, but I wasn't getting anxious. I was just okay. like, that's very weird, you know? And I was kind of, I was more musing about the weirdness of the situation I had found myself mm-hmm. in. So I get up, they put me up on the bed and there's only the anesthesiologist and a PA and maybe a nurse in there. I, I, things are fuzzy because this is about when I went unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get up on the bed and the bed's nice and warm because oh, it's really cold. So this is a great user experience. Get up on the bed. So I'm just like feeling like really warm. They put these things on, on your lower leg that just kind of compress oh, yeah. and uncompress, you know, so to keep your, keep your blood moving in your legs. Ooh. Also felt really nice. And I, like I, I remember thinking, yeah, I remember thinking, I want some of these for home to go to sleep. Like, this is really mm-hmm. nice. Just some of these leg squeezers. Yeah, it's really good. So, <laughs> so I'm getting this like really nice experience. I'm kind of getting settled in. Uh, the kind of weirdness of the robot, it kind of, you know, like my memory was fine. <laughs> You're not looking at it anymore. I'm so not looking at it anymore. It's off to the side. Uh, so then they start hissing. getting me, they start getting me ready. They put the mask on, you know, so I'm kind of getting woozy, but I'm still fully conscious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then to do this, they, they have to, so my arms are on my, at my sides, but it turns out they're on these like kind of little table things that kind of rotate out from the bed that your arms are on so that you end up in a kind of a T, right? So mm-hmm. your arms are off to the side. And the anesthesiologist, you know, like you're being crucified, like you're being crucified, which <laughs> yeah. is the joke the anesthesiologist made <laughs> while they were while they were pulling my arms out. And, uh, and so, he, so he made this joke about that, which was definitely you know off color and probably inappropriate. I actually was kind of amused by it. Sure, um, you're a good target audience for that. I was good. I was the maybe, appropriate maybe target not audience. Everybody would have no. <laughs> it could have landed very poorly. He knew, still, he knew, he felt, he read the room, right, and, right. you know, <laughs> he's like, this guy's basically unconscious. Right? <laughs> right. And, yeah, and, I, and I was kind of, you know, I wasn't fully with it, but I was with it enough. Uh, so, so my arms are fully spread out. And this was the point where all of a sudden, like, now I'm just exposed, right? Cause my arms are, are no longer next to my side where it kind of felt cozy and safe. Now my arms are off to the side. And I just heard a joke about crucifixion, right? And there's this spider, there's a the spider room. robot <laughs> off in the corner whose arms are going to be in my guts and they go through your belly. You know, so your belly, which is the least protected part of your whole body, you know, the, the one get stabbed. Yeah, it's the one that, you know, notoriously, if you try to touch animals, bellies, if they're not really, really domesticated, will freak It'll the fuck you. out. Yeah. Because that's how the animals die is by having their bellies cut open. Right. Right. So and we're just animals in case you forget. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm kind of getting kind of woozy. And all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to get stabbed in the belly. Like right yeah. now, right? Right now. Like right now. And so my <laughs> arms are off to the side. I can't protect myself. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not fully with it. So I don't even Ugh. know what to make of this fact. Nah. And then. <laughs> uh, should have taken the drugs, man. This, this is the lesson. Always if you're going take into surgery, drugs. take some anti-anxiety drugs. Yeah. Because even if you're not worried about it. You once will you, be. Once you settle in. <laughs> once you settle in. If you think about it a little bit. It's, it's a little. It is a little creepy. Yeah. And a little disconcerting. Um, and then, anyway, then they just throw some drugs in. And I remember thinking, ooh, that's really uncomfortable and hot because that was the sensation that it provided. Mm-hmm. And Anastasia was just like, uh, he's like, I got you. And then all of a sudden it was fine. I don't know what the fuck he was. Just chemicals. <laughs> who knows? And then I was fine. And then then I woke up a while later. So, and everything after was fine. But it was like a three minute window. So the, the sight of a knife wielding robot. Yeah. Some Spider would say. Bot. Some would say. Unsettling. <laughs> you know, it just turns out unsettling. Well, particularly when it's going to be in your guts. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So you know, that that could use some user experience improvements. You just hide it behind a curtain they or need to put some googly eyes on that shit. Googly eyes on each arm, you know? <laughs> or like a Muppet. To put a Muppet on each arm. Oh, yeah. Sock puppets yeah, sock on puppets. it while it's sitting there. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, maybe hide it behind a curtain. And maybe give it some flame decals. You know, make it oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's make just, it a, just it's a murder it robot right now. But. It, is a, it is just a murder robot. <laughs> just put some decals on it. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, this is just like, Sam, when you were stuck in the hospital the whole time. Mm-hmm. Everything is... It's beige. For some, all right, so you go, if, you, if you're in the children's wing, everything yeah. is super colorful. There's like animals on stuff. And everything's meant to actually try to like create a feeling of easing the tension, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go over to the adult section of the hospital and it's like, ah, you're on your own. Fuck you. Right? <laughs> this is like beige, hard surface floors that are just yep. like plain white tile. Yep. Uh, no artwork on the walls. Just no. cold, sterile. Nothing good. Right. Yeah. It was, I, uh, I, <laughs> I remember the, the day I went because I couldn't get out of the hospital, but they would let me, they let me walk through all the tubes in the hospital to the children's area because they, uh, they had like a better lunch menu one day. So I snuck over yep. there. And I remember entering into that area and there's like these sweet, just huge murals on the walls and toys mm-hmm. just like everywhere. I assume there were also organizations coming in and throwing money everywhere. Basically. Because, yep. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm literally 
I'm dying. Like I'm, I'm building down the, over. Yeah. My feelings matter as well. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I, I just I don't, I don't yeah. know how I feel about the idea that the way society sort of like as soon as you're 18, it's like you're just emotionally on an island now. Like well, nobody's gonna help you. You gotta, you gotta be serious, you know. You gotta be well, serious. It's almost as if everyone's just accepted the fact that uh, you know life is kind of hard. Truthfully, like over the long term, but for some reason they're like because that's a fact. We're that sort of gives us. The excuse to neglect, just keep it that way. We hide. Yeah, we, we actually we lessen the impact of that fact on kids by hiding them from it, and then increase the impact on adults right. by just like just embracing it and then exposing it, and then making it worse because of all the decisions that mm-hmm. our legislators make. So you know, it'd be good, like a good way to do the whole you getting crucified situation. Uh huh. If they put your arms, if your arms were down by your waist, mm-hmm. and then they attach them to whatever the thing is, and it swung out from there. And then so they attach you to it, and then I got right, cool. And then once you're completely unconscious, then they put then your arms. Move your oh arms. yeah, yeah, easy peasy. But just that that awareness that that be- an exposed belly is just one of the you know it's creepiest un- inappropriate things when you know you're about to get stabbed in wait, the belly. Wait, did they have your belly covered at this point when you at were at this point? I'm pretty sure I was still covered. Okay, yeah. that's good. That would have been fucked up. They were like, I'll put your arms out. Let's get this, yeah. get this blanket <laughs> off here. Okay, yep. now you're just <laughs> dangle this spider over your belly. Well, like, and like, and they have to do a lot of things because you know, they got to because they got to like you know a lot going on. They got to shave any hair off. They got to mm-hmm. sterilize it. They got to prep put all the these heat on there. They, like just, they just got to do all these yeah. things. So like, so I get that the moment you hit the OR, they're like, they're just powering through stuff, but mm-hmm. it definitely would be better if they just held on. Cause it literally takes you one minute to fall asleep. Right. Actually about five seconds once they hit you with all the juice, right. you know? So if they just kind of optimized for that a little bit, so you just, <laughs> they just knock you out as fast as possible. And, and then, then, then unveil then bring the, out the murder robot, robot and yeah. <laughs> spread your arms out. Yeah. All that. Okay. Well, it's good to have you back. It's good to have you back, Adam. So, well, there's a followed up then that, so then I had that all done. Um, and, and I was at basically being hosted by the dads for the, for the weekend who then took care of me, which was really nice. Um, but they were both sick with a horrible, horrible cold. And so then by the time I finally got home, I was now, you had, that I cold. was now on the upswing of that cold which has basically been unstoppable. So I'm, so I'm even now, I don't have it anymore, but I'm still suffering all the damage. Mm-hmm. So I basically went from recovering from surgery to having a horrible cold and then being, you know, forcibly quarantined from the office to make sure I didn't give it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's been, a, it's been a weird couple of weeks. You've been out, man. Yeah. Out and about. Yeah. Regression toward the mean. But you said yep. <laughs> the surgery was very well done. Yeah. And then the recovery's been great. Yeah, recovery's been good. Uh, the first few days sucked a fair bit, but, you know, drugs, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, and after that, it's basically just been all recovery, except I think it was slowed down by all the cold and stuff. But uh, but really within within a few days, uh, it already just kind of the general sense of feeling, once I could take like a full breath and it didn't hurt too much, then the general feeling there was actually better than it had been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so right now, I finally started to be able to eat solid foods again, which has been... Ooh, Pretty nice, you know, they, they go down slow, but they, mm-hmm. they do the job. And, uh, and even though stuff gets kind of gets stuck sometimes and it's annoying to chew something for like a thousand hours <laughs> before I swallow it, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt down there anymore. It's not super distracting. But you know, all this chewing, you're going to have some dope jaw muscles. Which mm-hmm. is good because they mostly evaporated since that's, I didn't, didn't use them for two weeks. That's yeah. true. Uh, so my I tooth guess- started, my teeth started to feel loose. So when I was running this weekend. And every them. step, it felt kind of like they were trying to come out. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. For real? Because yeah. you hadn't been pushing hadn't them back been, in. Yeah, hadn't been chewing. You know, like a, every, every part of your body, if you don't use it, it just literally disintegrates. This is why, <laughs> this is why when astronauts come home, their bones are fucking weak. Yeah, all their muscles stand. are gone. If they put clothes on, it makes their skin burn, you know? Because like, of the gravity of like pulling Yeah, because of the gravity of pulling normally on. their clothes are just floating off yep. of their bodies. Yeah, if you, I don't know, if you, there's a there's an article or book by... So I just, I just saw snippets of it, but by, was it Kelly? Is that the guy mm-hmm. who was in space for like a whole yeah, year? Scott Kelly. Yeah. So he, he wrote up a thing about his first few days back in gravity and uh, just how horrible, like just horrible of an experience that was re readapting. Cause like everything hurt. It was hard to breathe. <laughs> Can't walk. Couldn't walk. Nothing behaved the way he expected. Cause it used to be the case that he could just, he'd be holding something. He would just let go of it and it would stay there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is which is not true anymore because of gravity. And so like he's just, just dropping shit. Yeah, so he's dropping things. There like, was uh shit. What was the what was that astronaut that was on YouTube all the time before Scott Kelly? Oh yeah. Uh Hadfield? Hatfield. Chris Hadfield. Yeah, the Canadian guy. He made a hilarious YouTube series after he got back 
Well, because while, while they're in space, they're always making these videos of like, here's what a water balloon is like in space. Mm-hmm. And they'll like pop it. You know, there's just like a weird ball of water floating. So they just do normal everyday things in zero gravity. And so he came back and then he just, as a joke, made a, a series of videos of how things work with gravity. So, <laughs> right. so he was like, he was like, now here's how you fold your clothes with gravity. And he's, like, <laughs> he's just like, yes, yeah, so you fold like this and you put it, you, you can put it anywhere. And then when you like, oh, it's just sitting there. It just stays, <laughs> there. just stays right there. You can put more clothes on top. They stack up. It's crazy. It'll go anywhere. You don't have to worry about it. You can, he's like, watch this. He leaves the room, comes back. He's like, look at that. They're still there. <laughs> He's like, you know how you make, you know how you pour, pour cereal? You just take a bowl of cereal. You can, you take the milk above it. Boom. You just pour it. It just goes, it falls right out of the carton. <laughs> right. And he's like, you can pour it from up here. He's like, hold it. <laughs> it's amazing. But you do, I mean, you take these things for granted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gravity's the easiest one. Things don't float away. Yeah. But I mean, just think of, cause you, you would have to adapt to, to all those changes. Just expecting gravity to do all this work for you, you know, uh, kind of doing that for a year and then coming back. Well, even yeah, the thing, even things like when they uh, shave, yeah, you know, like you shave and the hair falls into the sink. You, you shave in space and the hair just fucking like shoots all, shoots over. all over the place. <laughs> so you need a vacuum attached to your razor. A really good one. <laughs> so, so that it's just constantly sucking the hair out of your face as you, as you trim it. Otherwise, yeah. the hair gets clogged up in the vent system of the mm-hmm. space station, you know. And presumably if you sweat, then just beads of sweat. They just come off. Floating. They just, Weird. they just come off. Yeah. <laughs> They don't run into your eyes. Space they just horrible. leave. You know? <laughs> Why are we going there? I don't know. It's a silly place. Space is a silly uh, place. So otherwise, in the news, uh, Sam and Monique went on a trip to California. Yeah, we did some business. Business. Can talk about. But I uh, got back on Saturday and sort of managed the, seemed to manage the jet lag. Okay, we'll say, and I know this is a rule, but going going west to east is worse than going from east to west, Right. That's how I have felt. At least it sure as hell felt like it. (laughs) So you mean if we go from where we are in the Midwest to the West Coast, correct? That is worse. No, that is easier than than coming back. Than coming back from the same correct. I think it's different. I think I think it hits you the same, but it it lines up differently, which is what makes it harder. Because I remember when I went to India. All of a sudden, I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning every day, which I loved because I was like, (laughs) yeah, I get my day started right. Like, yeah, I was more tired later in the evening, but waking up early is never really a problem. When you come back and all of a sudden you're sleeping until like 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. And, and people you, expect you to be awake. You feel like you've lost your day. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, so that's been my experience. But Recovery happened. It's a good, it's a good trip. Very good trip on all. Can't say anything about it, but hopefully. Now, know. I ha- I have some notes here that you had an experience with Uber. Is this, uh, is this something worth sharing? <laughs> it's in my which experience. It's in my news notes. Also, that, that you... Were a handsome boy. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, I, don't story. <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't know what the Uber one is. Exactly. I assume Monique put that yeah. together. The handsome boy story. So we went out to uh, to get dim sum on the last day. We Good were, choice. We were out in San Francisco and, uh, with a friend of ours. And um, and she's speaking Chinese to the to the waitress who only speaks Chinese. And then at some point, the waitress comes back around with the cart and just leans over to her and, and looks at me and goes, and says, handsome boy in Chinese. And then uh, this friend of ours just bursts out laughing. And then she leans over. She's like, uh, she called you a, a handsome boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. 50 year old waitress. Let's go. Handsome boy. I don't think I ever want to be called a handsome boy. It's a weird combo, right? Yeah. Because handsome's like sort of the male. Yeah, like, like it man. started off really good. And, and then, then it, boy, I'm like, mm. maybe this is where I'm at in life, you know? Yeah. She's like, look at that young thing over there. <laughs> He's almost good. It goes from good right to creepy instantaneously. <laughs> he's not gorgeous and he's not a man, but he is a handsome boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, last week was weird because Sam and Monique were out for mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday. I was out until Thursday. By the time you got back, they were gone. They were gone. Man, I, th- was, I think everybody else was here. It was though. sort of a revolving door yeah, of so it was a little, people. A little weird. Yeah, but yeah. October's almost over. There's nothing any of us are more excited about than that fact. <laughs> this is the last week We're of October. There. We're getting we there. We got it. It's going to end very spookily, too. Yeah. As yeah. it always does every year. Which because seems really appropriate because <laughs> fucking October. Because Stranger Things 2 is coming out. Oh, my God. Is that next week? Is it coming out on Halloween? Uh, right, Halloween right, right before Halloween. Because okay. they need to account for people binging the whole thing in one sitting. Right? Yeah, otherwise yeah. everybody's going to miss Halloween. Right. Also, we should probably remind everybody that NaNoWriMo... Oh, yeah. NaNoWriMo. National Novel Writing Month. It's coming up mm-hmm. starting on November 1st, which is also next mon- Monday. No, next Tuesday. Something. Uh, yeah. Before the next podcast Something. episode airs. So hop into the NaNoWriMo channel in our Discord. At 
bit.ly slash BS Discord. There you go. And you can yes. chat with people who want to write a book in a month. It's super fun. It's mainly, I, when people freak out about it, I'm like, it's a typing challenge. That's, a, that's what you need yep. to understand. How fast can you type garbage for 30 days? <laughs> yeah. Because it turns out that's <laughs> turns what out creativity really easy. is. Yep. Just typing garbage. Yep. Just type garbage and, you know, and just keep doing that long enough and the garbage gets good enough. It's mm-hmm. the whole thing about, you know, if you get enough monkeys, type <laughs> enough typewriters, just yeah. be one of those monkeys. But now, yeah, that's And then maybe now. you'll write Shakespeare, you know? That's right. Like but then that's the problem because that's already been written. So you maybe do your own thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you know. That'd be better. But either way, it would be all right. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, let's get on to some questions. All right. These questions come from our listeners and they are asked over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your questions onto a future episode, head over there and ask us a question. First question comes from Saint, Saint of Storm. It's very abbreviated, so it's a little okay. bit of a... Are sure it's not Street of Storm? It might be Street of Storm <laughs> or just Stuff Storm. And also the second O is a zero, so it's, there's a, it's, I'm not totally sure if I'm hitting this correctly. <laughs> stuff, stuff to zero Orm says, <laughs> Adam, you're the only Costa brother whose name does not start with an S. Yeah, what's that about? Is this a planned mm. deviation? Or oversight on the part of your parents. Would this? you be willing to change your name to Saddam <laughs> in the interest of consistency, which is pretty close to Saddam? I think it just is Saddam. I think it I is. I think there's uh, missing, missing, a, missing a D. A D in there. Missing a D. It's pretty close, though. Pretty close. Well, to it Saddam. might also have been a plan by our par- parents to spell the word ass with yeah, because that's first the letter. Letter. <laughs> that is our first initials in birth so order. Go in birth order. We are the Ass Brothers. Yeah, and and I do. <laughs> I do feel like it would be a dereliction of an important responsibility I have, which is to maintain hold up the sanctity a. of the Ass Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I got to hold up my end. <laughs> hold up of, your end of, 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 of this, the this period, I guess. Yeah. Just hold up my end, mm-hmm. which is to keep that A there. So, no. No, I will not be Saddam. <laughs> it's too important. We're not going to break that. Adam's got the only vowel in this chain. That's so. the other thing, too. He's unique. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's the one. Yep. All right. Also, so I now have, but I also now have all these like usernames and stuff, you know, like, ugh, it would just be such a. And, a, and sort of legal documents. I know. Just <laughs> think of how frustrating. Stuff like that. Stuff like Although that. legal documents are far less secure than like web. Well, I was going to say actually, because of the Equifax. Uh, that's true. Maybe break, I should change it. Probably actually in everybody's best interest to change their names yeah, and also move. Off. Uh, and to move into the mountains. What if somebody mm-hmm. submits a fake name change for me, steals my identity, but then goes under a different name, so that now it's even harder for me to prove that I am who I claim to be? Whoa, and it's harder for them to prove that they're you because you, their name isn't your name. It's just harder for everybody. <laughs> it's like a beige hospital wall. Yeah. That's what it is. If only people weren't just allowed to run off with our most Everything. private information and then not secure it properly. It's just like that, sh- that show Face Off. You know, exactly where Nicholas, where Nicholas Cage stole John Travolta's body or something. Or, and yeah, then or one of them, did you ever actually see the movie? Cause I, I, did. I saw it and I, it was fucking weird. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it because somehow not only do they change the person's face, they also change their voice. Mm. So, but the, the crazy, just like in mission impossible when they put on those masks, mm-hmm. which to me just, that was kind of like having all the superpowers like in heroes, you know, yeah. where it just ruins it because too ridiculous. It's too overpowered. Well, yeah, and also it's it's such a Deus Ex Machina sort yeah. of storytelling anybody element can just where you're, anybody. Just, you're just like, oh man, this plot point isn't working out. What if this person has been this other person? Here's my question: How is it that Arya in Game of Thrones puts on a mask and is suddenly like six feet tall? Well, the mask woman. has stilts on the bottom of it. I think part of it <laughs> is just mask, don't show that like tusks. Part of it yeah. is mask stilts. I think the other part of it is you know they they worship that many faced god. god. Mm-hmm. Who does the rest of the work for them? Where's the question? I mean? like, yeah, is it's it, like some real Deus Ex Machina kind of yeah. stuff. But how, but how does that work? <laughs> how does it work in terms? Of it's like if you so if you get this bigger body, yeah, if someone bumps into it. So apparently, it's still like a body. It's really just all about how you carry yourself. But that's what you I'm know? wondering. It's like, just all about your so posture. Where, where in this you know shell of a person? So you're saying the, maybe she's not actually that tall. It just really seems like no, she's not. It's just that it's just that she's very good at you know carrying herself such that people perceive her exactly. As being she's tall, still like four you know. feet tall max. But I'm saying like if someone like but it stabbed, seems like she's six feet tall. Stabbed that illusion. Well, I think I think their brain the does all the work. So their that, brain is actually saying. stabbing in the right spot. They just think they're stabbing like three feet higher. No, you're, you're thinking about too hard. It's not an it's not an illusion. I'm thinking it's of, not like a hologram. It's okay. It's just that she puts on the face mask 
and then just does a good enough job of emulating that person's behaviors that everybody else's minds just kind of fill it in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they just feel like she's people feel like she's that person and they don't really question it because they don't look hard enough mm. to realize, hey, there's a face glued to her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that moment where someone's like, ew. <laughs> what is this? What is this? <laughs> the illusion failed. You wrote, you wrote a D1. Yeah, Arya. <laughs> For people who haven't watched Game of Thrones, it, there's a girl who cuts people's faces off and then wears them. That's apparently, just normal just stuff. Turns, Somehow huge, turns into them. I don't know. Yeah, and then she sort of emulates them. I mean, much I like in Mission Impossible. I can see how the face would work. I just can't see how the whole rest of the body works. You know, it's just all about costume, costuming. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's all about costuming and just how you portray yourself. You got to yeah. raid that wardrobe once you take their face. Yep. You know. Then you wear their armor. Or just you just be naked and portray yourself as if you are fully clothed in the kind of clothing that person would wear. You just got it's all about confidence. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, it's just about confidence. It's like someone's it's like, like, like I feel like that person's naked, but <laughs> but they seem so they confident. Seem like There's they're no wearing way. a robe. <laughs> I mean, I so see that, you, I see that you're naked, but you don't though. But like, I get the sense because you can't believe it, you know. So you just. You just assume like, there's how a robe could that there? person be naked and they're behaving as if they're wearing a robe. Yeah. This is actually the thing that they don't tell you about, you know, that, that whole story about the emperor with no clothes. They, they, we tell it as if like the emperor was dumb and all these people for like fawning over him being like, oh yeah, like we're not going to tell you that actually not wearing any clothes. They couldn't tell because that emperor was so fucking confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really what the story was the about. The story is about, it's all about how you wear it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's about. And there was just this one, like there was just this one guy who was just unshaken by the confidence of the emperor. That's really what, you know, this, I think that's really the true moral of that tale. Yeah. And that person just, you know, you can't trust them. No, you can't. Really. <laughs> Who is that? They, they, see, they see right through you, you know? You yeah. Gotta, gotta keep those people away. That's right. This is, a, this is a good way to know who your enemies are. Yeah. You know, go the, striding around town naked. Yep. And whoever points it out, <laughs> you stay, <laughs> you stay away from that person. <laughs> All right, next question comes from- It will probably be the <laughs> cops, though, we should note. And then you also will go to jail. It will be the police. <laughs> which- you can feel however you want about that, but you will be in jail. You so, will be in jail. So also don't. Do maybe, maybe don't do that. All right. Next question comes from Rampandapus, who says, I've been reading Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Mm, Great book. Good book. Crunch time comes up a lot. In fact, I it comes up. I think that's what in, it's about. It comes up in every single chapter. Yep. Uh, what's the studio's stance? How much did the three of you crunch leading up to the Crashlands launch? Well, this is interesting. Um, so this whole, I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because the crunch that these people describe is so immense in both, you know, scale, like day scale. Like it's just the whole day and they start sleeping at the office and stuff. And then also sometimes they rent apartments closer to the office that for super cheap, just so they can oh, cut be down fair, their commute. They mostly are in San Francisco, which they probably should already be doing that anyway. Right. Yeah. So, so then, but and, I mean, they also keep their original apartments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also the duration where they're like, yeah, we crunched for six months. Yeah. And I'm sorry, because I think the most we ever did- I don't think did, that's crunch. I think that's just working a lot. Yeah. The most we ever did was, I think it was the three days around beta, if I yeah. recall. We did 16 we were, hours a day for three days. Yeah. And then we were like, fuck this. We did it because we were very specifically in emergency mode, responding to the most crucial uh, game-breaking bugs in the beta so that the beta could keep right. going. Right. Mm-hmm. And so- we, this wasn't pre-production. This wasn't like leading up to the launch. This was directly the game was in players' hands. It was basically a launch. Yeah. And the game was in players' hands and they couldn't really, they couldn't really give us the feedback we needed because of the state of the game. And so we, we had ASAP because we did have a launch date. Yeah. We had to fix it immediately. Yep. So we did. So we did three days of crunch and then we took a couple of days off and then we resumed back to a normal kind of schedule. Mm-hmm. So um, we, because we usually work, we work between... Like 40 and 60 hours a week, depending on kind of what's going on. I think just on average. Um, but it's always under the, I guess there, there's very few times where we've been like, we need to just destroy ourselves right now in order to accomplish something. Yeah. Because usually it doesn't actually work. We do it at, we only do it at like true personal cost mm-hmm. for like an evening at a time. Right. And even then, like that almost never happens because it's usually just like, it would just, we're just in some scenario where we just think it would be way better if this was taken care of right now. So I'm just going to do that. And right. then we just make sure our lives are taken care of, plan for it, go do it, you know, or a weekend or whatever. And then, then it's fine. Now we push something ahead. Everything's right. in a good spot. We well, really sacrifice. So you think about this when I was in San Francisco, because we, we were out doing the meetings and stuff all day. And then we got back at, I think like seven or so. I started typing up my stuff. So I've been up at this point now for 12 hours, been socializing constantly and typing up my notes and it's taking like an hour and a half to get everything put together. And about an hour in, 
like the number of typos I was making just started like, <laughs> just start to go up. You're and just then, getting it done. And then, I, <laughs> and then I just, I reread like a bottom piece of it and I was like, what am I even saying? <laughs> <laughs> what is so, that, I mean, there is a real serious, and if you look at all the productivity research, there's a, just a serious fall off in actual productive movement. Uh, mm-hmm. After somewhere around like the 55 hour mark, I think is where, where people, most people say it is. Uh, but even then, like if you do, if you do that immense amount of work every week, uh, then you can also hit sort of these just you're gonna longer burning term. Out. Burnout, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I you know, you keep reading that those numbers in there and I just I I don't know what it means. Well, it's it's almost always preceded by here's some big decision that this company made that guaranteed that they weren't going to hit their deadlines. So then everybody then, put in as many hours as possible. Now everybody. Yeah. So uh, in, in the book, there's a section about the Uncharted games, about Uncharted 4 specifically. And there, there's a section there about how they, you know, they reshuffled their, uh, their lead designers mm-hmm. and the, the new designers on the team. They already had a launch date when this happened, right? I don't remember specifically, but they were a long ways into production, yep. like eight or 10 months yeah. or something like that. And the first thing that happened was they just deleted most things. Mm-hmm. Like they just deleted most of the things that the team had done um, because there was a different story that they wanted to tell. And so, uh, so their, their point being the game is, the game is now better, but now this puts us into a perilous situation where we have to now crunch for like a year to, <laughs> to actually get it out in time. Um, yeah. Cause they have to now redo eight months of work. They just threw away plus but, finish the game plus finish the game, but the, the they don't just have somehow more money to do that. Right. Yeah. They're still operating under the same budget they had in the first place. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to throw any studios under the bus, like in terms of like making games is hard as fuck. Yeah. And the bigger the team gets, the harder it is. Right. The more and likely so, it is that you're going to make work that doesn't get used which is actually another common thing in blood, sweat and pixels, which is needing to burn down huge swaths of work. Well, we, I mean, we do this too, though. We do, but not to the scale. But yeah, but, <laughs> but when we burn, yeah, cause we'll burn, if we burn a month of work, it's, it's then a month times, maybe two people, one or two people. Right. So it's, it's a, a human month of time that gets right. burned. But yeah, when a studio like that burns eight months of work, times probably it's like hundred months, 50 yep. people or something. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but this is the important takeaway. There is is that uh, if we behaved the same now as we did when we had, when if we have fifty people, yeah. then we would just be also creating that kind of yeah, waste, sure. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we it's it's easy for us to kind of you know armchair quarterback from over here and be like, you guys need to do it better, right? <laughs> like we got seven people, on the right? Yep. You like our entire studio is like half of the art division mm-hmm. of of larger. Game, but right. everything does scale up though, because they, even if you just say, well, okay, well, so we do the same thing. We also just throw time away because you do. And like, this is an iterative process. That's, that's what that means. Uh, but that doesn't cause us to crunch. It causes other small studios to crunch mm-hmm. all the time. Right. So I don't think it's a matter of just like, are you throwing stuff away? How are you making your design decisions? I think it's a broader thing that, that doesn't have to be just a function of scale. Well, there's, I think there's, something is going wrong. If you just have to have your entire staff working for 80 hours a week constantly for half a year to a year. Well, I think something, something is broken in this system. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something that we are also doing right now that just can't scale. That's quite possible, Mm -hmm. but that's not our problem yet. So we don't have to solve it. It's not our fucking (laughs) responsibility. We can point out a thing that somebody else has fucked up real hard. Be like, there's probably something. just say, you've probably done something wrong. Maybe, you know, don't do that. Maybe maybe look at your, some other options uh, without us having to have the answer. Yeah. I remember someday we might have to have the answer. There was an article from the, I think early two thousands um, about the quote widows of EA, mm-hmm. which I don't remember reading about this. Uh, but basically there were so many families where the, the husband was working at EA because of, you know, uh, especially at that time, almost everybody in games was a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things have, things have moved a lot now. St- Still, most people still not, not great, but not almost. Not but and yeah. at so. that point, it was even worse. So, yeah. uh, so there was an entire group of of uh, women whose husbands had gone to work at EA, and they just hadn't seen them in like a year, right? Because they just crunched nonstop, um, and they ended up writing this big letter and getting all kinds of mm-hmm. signatures and stuff to try to try to persuade EA to you know change its practices and stuff. But this isn't me just calling out EA. It's just it's just one example of thousands of, mm-hmm. of studios that, that take this approach. Um, 
But I also think when looking at the way that, that we try to approach our, our dev, we try to do as little work as possible on any given thing. Right. So, yeah. I think this is, the co- <laughs> this is the cost of perfectionism. Yeah. yeah. So, so we are strict adherence to the good enough principle, mm-hmm. which is you, you establish, which maybe we should change to the, what can we get away with? The what principle. can we, well, if, yeah, those are two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. So, so well, you, cause you can come at good enough from two directions and it's important which one you choose. Mm, I, I don't think that's true. Actually. No? I think, I think it's all about your, your definitions, which is to me, the good enough principle simply means you know what your the thing that you're working on needs to accomplish. So, you know, use like use an art asset as an example, like the Wampet in Crashlands. The Wampet needs to be approachable, so it shouldn't look terrifying because it's the first creature. It needs to fit in with the savanna, and it needs to have a simple, avoidable attack, right? That the player can easily understand. So those are the three things that it has to do. And it also needs to look at least good enough that when we screenshot it, people don't throw up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yep. so those are the requirements. So when you made the Wampet, Sam, uh, how many, how many Wampets did you make? Like how many versions? One. You made it once. Yeah. Right. You made it. We didn't do concept art. Sam just made the Wampet and then he showed it to me and he's like, how's this? And I went through my mental checklist of the things that it needs to do. I was like, yeah, it does those things put it in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And that Wampet is still the same one that we started with. Right. Right. So, so if you think about it from the perspective of like, what can I get away with? It really is the same thing as coming up with a list of criterion for that. No, thing you have because to accomplish. Just because, yeah. cause you can choose what that list is. So yeah. You can also, you chose a list that was, what mm-hmm. can we get away with? But the list could have been very different where it could have been the same list where you say like, has to be approachable, but the interpretation of that might mean like, really fucking cute and like cuddly. So Sam might've made the Wampet as it is. Well, this is why you got to be clear on your language choice, right? But if, not, not, it's not even just clarity. It's also the choice that you make in the first place. Cause you can, you could choose your list could be things that require. And actually, if you more. recall, the original Wampet had no frames at all of anything happening. And that was the, what could you get away with thing? We're like, we just need a thing that jumps. We're going right. to detach its leg from its body. So it's, that's, yeah, that, is true. that is and true. And then later. Then it wasn't sufficient for some reason. Later it was not good enough. Yep. So we added a frame where its leg was bent. Right. Because in exactly one frame, because the question was still, what can we get away with? <laughs> yes, right? Right. One extra frame. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when Seth was uh, forever ago and he was th- having Flux throw stuff in Crashlands, uh, the code made it throw from her feet. Because yep. of how it was set up. Nobody noticed. But nobody, <laughs> but nobody noticed. And so he didn't need to solve that problem. Yeah, because also Flux would jump and the thing when she threw it, would, it would come out of her feet, but it would also just too be, much was it, happening. It would be flying upward at the yeah. time. <laughs> a lot so happened. It you just kind of felt like, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And as we've talked about in the past, anytime Seth was like, mm, this is going to be hard to animate something or whatever. He just put an explosion on top of it or a little bit of screen shake or something that caused the, the just person dist- watching to be distracted enough that they... Just their minds made a thing happen instead. Mm-hmm. Right. Because again, the question, because we could have been like, ooh, we got to wait to make this feel just fucking perfect. You know, just like have everything about this animation. It's like being on. naked and convincing everyone to get close <laughs> Yeah. Up, you know? So this is really, our, this is our solution. <laughs> well, it's like being naked and then always being like, look over there. Right. <laughs> uh, like this is our solution to the, to the crunch problem is we don't do it because we are always trying to do as little work as possible yeah. for a, any individual part of the dev process. Yeah. So we don't. And I remember, I remember reading a, a section of Blood, Sweat, and Pixels about, I think, I think it was Uncharted. And they were talking about how they spent a month, they had somebody spend a month working on making it so that when a sack of grain gets shot by a bullet, that the grain pours out of it and the sack slowly deflates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what bothered me was that the book talked about this like it was... A reasonable thing to a do. A reasonable <laughs> thing to do. Well, not only reasonable, but an admirable thing to do. Where yeah. it, was like, it was like, this attention to detail is what made this game what it is. And it's like, no. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, this game is is like there's explosions everywhere. There's chase scenes. You know, if you just had it so that when you hit that piece of grain, if just grain particles just poofed out of it, that would also be fine, and that would take or eight if minutes. It just exploded, you know? or if it exploded and just yeah. shot grain everywhere. That'd be incredible. You know, yeah, with just fuckloads of camera shit, right? <laughs> like make grainades. Grain. There, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the the idea of of sort of looking at that level of perfectionism for things that the player can't even perceive and sort of holding that up as a, as like a, a, a pinnacle of sort of the approach to take and then being like, why does everybody crunch all the time? Well, <laughs> cause y'all are I trying mean, to deflate great. You're doing so much reason. work for no reason. So anyway, can we not? That's mm-hmm. the, that's, that's the, why we do not crunch because we because just don't. Yes, <laughs> we cannot. We cannot. Yes. We cannot make, 
deflating sacks of grain. Yep. So. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, hey, speaking of which, Menelus says, what was your latest can we not moment? Mine was to not make dinner tonight. Pizza. Nice. <laughs> Mine, actually, I had some good ones last week because mm. I was, I, I was trying to recover. And so I was starting to be able to think clearly again, kind of the first time in a while. So I was, I was finishing up the old code project I was working on before all this stuff went down. So I just had some kind of final pieces of the puzzle I had to do. And, and that was mostly just kind of refactoring some of the stuff that was already there. So I sat down and refactored. I was looking at it and I was like, I'd put in three different systems for sort of like security things, some other kind of stuff. Then I looked at it and I kind of thought back through it and I was like, I can get away without having these. What can I get away with? You know? <laughs> and, and so I thought about it. I, read it I, was very, I thought through it very carefully because there were security implications. So I was like, I need to make sure I know what all these are. Because know? again, part of your criteria of things you, you need to be able to get away with yep. is not having everything explode. Right. Right. So you can't, like if you're, if you're using the what can I get away with principle and you're at the stupidity level of Equifax... Right. And you should use a different. But I think importantly, right? they like, didn't get away with it. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> so they failed. <laughs> well, except that they did. They did for a, a while. quite a while. And they still have because they still exist as a company. And well, actually, by all, all accounts, the people they're doing great because they're now, doing everybody, great. now everybody's paying Equifax <laughs> to get to freeze their credit. Well, they yeah. made it oh, free, they made for it free now. So. But only for like three months or something. Yeah, it was very kind of them. That was that's great. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but the, the point is that the, the good enough principle, sort of like what Sam and Seth talked about nuance about some stuff last week, it's the same deal here, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean do a bad job. That means <laughs> right. have standards and then meet them. Have standards that are appropriate to the problem and meet them, right? So And then stop. And then stop. Don't, just don't just go stop anymore. at that point. And so that's what I was looking at. I was like, okay, so I wrote it out. I was like, what are the implications if I if I... Just do, just literally remove each of these the three different features that I'd added because I was looking at them and they each added a bunch of complexity. So it made the code hard to understand. Mm. And spoiler alert, complexity in code Bad. creates security holes because Ooh. you can't you can't form a good mental model of what it does. And so it's really hard to know if you've left a hole in there somewhere. Mm. Right. So it increases bugs uh, and increases security risk. So or it may not create security holes, but it makes it way harder to hide them. them. Yeah. It makes them harder to plug and harder to find and harder to even mm. think of in the first place. So I was like, what I had, and I was like, given the complexity of the system, that in itself is because it was trying to introduce a security feature, but a complicated security feature is really just a security hole. <laughs> uh, so then I was like, what can I, I like it. what can I, what can mm. I do instead? And then I realized two of them I could just literally not have because I had other features already that were redundant to it. And the reason I put them in is because I wanted redundancy, but I was thinking about it and I was like, this is actually not making redundancy. This is decreasing the security of what I already have. So I guess the an analogy would be you have this giant ship that you're building. There's a hole in the side of it. And you're like, I'm going to plug that hole with a leaky boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 not with a leaky boat, boat, just with a boat. With a boat. That may or may not have leaks in it. Who knows? You're not. I could have just, put a, I just <laughs> put a fucking patch over it, you know, that yep. I can just look at and be like, yep, no holes in that patch. But no, I put Instead, a boat Instead, you built there. an entirely new boat and then tried to fit it right. into the wedge it into yeah, the hole. Yeah, is it sealed all the way around? Who knows? It's the shape of a boat, you know? Does it have holes in it? We have to check all of it. Uh, so I was able to cut out completely two features I put in, and then when I had to go design a new feature... My original design, I was like, I bet I can make this simpler, you know? And so I just gutted it and took out basically everything. And then all of a sudden I just had this beautiful, I, was, I, I cut down hundreds of lines of code into something like a hundred. Hmm. Just like cut it all down. The complexity went way down. The mental model of my brain was completely clear. Elegant. I was able to think through all the problems that could come up. And I was just like, oh my God, this feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Although a lot of that was, I was so pumped I was able to think again for the first time in a while. So yeah. that's pretty good. But the yeah. first, the first thing I did when I was able to think was embrace. Can we not? Well, I so we you know? we used to talk about uh, process improvement in mm -hmm. the studio, but really process improvement is just eliminating steps. Oftentimes, yeah, that's basically because like you, you're you're at A, you're always starting at A, and you need to get to Z, right? And so as long as Z happens, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. Right. That's like you got a destination that you're trying to accomplish. You could go A, B, C, D, E and just walk your way through it. Or if you could just go straight to Z and not give this a This reminds me of that Event Horizon movie where they ended up in like a hell ship because oh, of yeah. folded space. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to be careful to avoid the hell ship. You, you want to fold your point on top of itself, <laughs> you know? If you improve your processes enough, you do summon a hell ship. <laughs> Yeah. I think we but then all... you could just use it to plug the hole in <laughs> your security problem. Right. Um, yeah, this works. Yeah, this checks so out. I, so I think part of that for me, uh, I, I can't talk about specifics 
because scuffle buddies, yeah, scuffle buddies, mm-hmm. so many secrets um, about scuffle. But buddies. we were we were working on a, on an interface for the game, and in order for me to get the, wait, is that a spoiler though that there's an interface? For it? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, we'll we'll edit that out. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so working on an interface for the game, and in order to get that interface to appear, there was a series of steps that I had to go through that was like forty five seconds long. Some of which involved like a test of skill, and some of which was like a test of memory and all this other shit. I also uh, had to, you had to talk to like a, a troll thing by a bridge yep, and it I had questions. To, <laughs> I had to tell it my three wishes, yep. you know, all of this shit. And then finally that interface comes up because that's the part of the game where the interface is. And so, uh, my can we not moment was, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that shit here. So I, so I just created a hotkey that like, yes, it took me about 15 minutes to recreate all the conditions that needed to be there for that interface to be usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I did it. So it shortened that feedback loop from about 45 seconds down to about three seconds. Mm-hmm. So then, then I was able to just jam on it all day long and I had a perfectly tight feedback loop and didn't have to, didn't have to fuck around with that anymore. That's super nice. Mm-hmm. I think my yeah. most recent one, uh, less work related. So my dog shits in the yard <laughs> as yeah. most dogs do. Mm-hmm. And that's, I pick it up. That's good. Cause I'm a good citizen. Her neighbors <laughs> do not pick up their labs poops and they're like the size of a Gross. child. It's disgusting. So, the problem here is that every Tuesday, every Tuesday night, when I get home, I roll the trash cans out front for the for the garbage to pick them up, right? And then Wednesday morning, when I take the dog out, dog craps, and then I'm out there, out back, and there's no trash cans for me to put the dog crap in. Mm. You, at need this a, point, you need a little tiny trash can. At this point, I have a dog with me, and I can't yeah. go up because he's still a maniac, and he'll probably attack someone. So yeah. I have to go back through the house, and then usually just set this bag of shit <laughs> you know like out like near the door outside uh-huh. but like I'm not gonna go all the way out I'll just take them away so that's been happening for a while and uh, last night I took the dog out and then I was like <laughs> can, can I not could I not <laughs> do that and I realized I could just take the trash cans up in the morning I don't need to do it <laughs> I just yep. don't need to do it because I get up so early yep gives a crap literally the dog, so could, did. The dog does which was the whole problem so that was my real life there's one. another workaround for that too uh, I discovered we were trying to find a cat sitter when I was off getting stabbed in the guts, which is that there are several companies here. The ones who do like do dog sitting and stuff mm-hmm. who as part of like, you can pay them just to come pick up the dog poop out of your yard. Um, how it's, much it's is it? Real cheap. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It was very cheap. So I don't feel ethically I just, okay with that. But you may want to do it for your neighbors as like a present. <laughs> just to <laughs> that's like your, that's passive aggressive, <laughs> passive aggressive shit. <laughs> I got I mean, you a gift. Somebody's picking the shit up out of your head. <laughs> yeah. I gotta yeah, say, having a dog, the amount of time that you spend now and like in your life carrying around sacks of shit <laughs> is just way higher than you than it should be, probably. <laughs> frankly. This yeah. is the number one reason I'm uninterested in getting a dog. Yeah. And by uninterested, I mean actively disinterested. The dog is super cute. So. Yeah. It's I mean, it, dog, to me, it's, I have it's I don't argue cost. at all that dogs are cute, they're good companions. They're fun to hang out with, they also et cetera. Shit all over everything. But yes, there's just <laughs> there's this very high cost of poop, you know, and it and for me it does not out it does outweigh mm-hmm. basically everything in the universe. Mm. Well, there's that, and Everybody's, also you can't just like go somewhere. So there's one problem I have with it is that so there's this thing called echoic memory in psych terms, and there's also visual wait echoic echo, memory. echoic echoic. So it's like if if someone says something to you, you essentially can repeat it back. There's like a little sort of cache that happens, and so it's. It's sort of sitting in there for this a This happens moment. in movies all the time. You know, somebody says something important in the middle of the movie, and then later during a pinnacle moment, the person replays that inspirational I mean, maybe, phrase. Sure, but <laughs> it's mainly like if, yeah, but it's, it's mainly supposed to be a short-term memory thing for yeah, that person's ghost. Yeah. So the problem is uh, the short-term memory I have for the sensation of picking up warm poop. <laughs> Sometimes it like, you know, it's like it lingers. I don't know if this happens to you. It like lingers on your hand. No, Afterwards, like, like feels like the it was feeling. There. I just always would just wash my hands like crazy. Even no, though, I mean, me too. Like, there's a plastic bag and everything, but oh, like, yeah. I'm not. I I'm, always do it too, yeah. but it's always like you just there's a memory in my hand, and I just do not like it. As much slides. as I hate to say it, that's you warm. get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> if you, once you've been picking up poop for a year, it's just part. That's, of that's the just your warm that's poop holding hand. It's you know? your poop hand. <laughs> Take my poop hand. Take my poop hand. All right. Uh, next question comes from DVX me. I don't know if it was said before, but why did you remove the butter up a friend feature from some of your games? We weren't a lot allowed to have it on Apple. Turns out we've been violating store policy for like a year. Yep. 
Because yeah, yep, 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 yep. that made us that made us like a store sort of or something. Because we're basically selling copies of the game through but, the game. But two other, I don't know. They they have some policy that doesn't. It isn't like exactly what we were doing. They, but, but we definitely fell right in the definition of yeah, that. Said we could. We did that. that. They were like, you you can't you can't do that. But it was interesting because because we we'd been doing it for like a year, I think. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we went to submit a, a patch, which always has to go back through the review process. And of course, every time you go through review at Apple, you just get a different person who's reviewed mm-hmm. it. So their knowledge of the rules is different than the next person's. And also what this they'll person tolerate had a is very different. Good knowledge this of person the rules. Actually, <laughs> at least this part. Much yeah. better than we did. Yep. And uh, and they were just like, No, you can't do this. And we're like, What why the fuck? No, we've been doing it for a I year. Think yeah, we might have made the mistake of being like, But it's we have it in all of our other games. And like, <laughs> well, like, you're gonna have to fix that. Like, oh <laughs> shit. So then but we, also on top of that, it really didn't work. No. So there's also that. Yeah, how many do we sell? I remember we looked, I at it looked once. for a while, but it was really it was, embarrassing. It's amusingly low. We also, I, mean, I mean, considering considering the millions of players in our free games we, that we sold, like maybe a hundred butter ups. I would say without it, yeah, without friends. a doubt, it did not offset the dev cost of me making it possible to do that. Yeah, definitely. And then everybody else like making UIs that made it yep. in the game and stuff. Not a chance in hell it was worth doing. I guess. Yes. Yeah. But Indeed. The experiment, some would say, was well, worth it. Right. <laughs> it's just the cost of yeah, tuition. Yeah. Yeah. Experiments have a cost. It's about right? the journey. You got to. You got to. You got to learn sometimes, and the only way to mm-hmm. learn is by by fucking up. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. Yes. Got to enjoy it. All right. Next question comes from MK, who says, or IMK, mm-hmm. who says, "Hey, BS team." Uh, First off, thanks for the note with my order. Loved it. Is there any good YouTube tutorials or some presentations you have done explaining the possibilities of Atom? So Atom. this is a two-part question. One is a comment about our dope new merch shop. Yeah. Shop.bscotch.net. Which is a shop.bscotch.net, and it's full of delicious goodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monique was cool enough to handwrite notes to our first round of orderies. I think that's what they're called. Uh, orderies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were getting real ordery. <laughs> yeah. And so she wrote them notes to calm them down. So so uh, that's cool. I think we had a few, another six orders or something come out this weekend. Eight. Eight. Whew. Yeah, we're just, oh. Just merch. It's just, just flying, flying off, off the rails. Off the <laughs> um, I think we are sometime in the near future. We're going to start actually like opening up the shop beyond the podcast list. Yes. So that'll be I interesting to see. Yep. Uh, so then the question is, are there any YouTube tutorials or some presentations that we have done explaining the possibilities of Atom, which is a open source text editor? Nope. All I know is that I just got the screen shake mod. It's all I needed. It's got particles I wanted too. it for. I think it's, it's called particles. power mode. Yep. You could turn on the counter. So yep. just, and you could make it swear at you. Yep. That's what I did. So Pretty when good. I hit every 10 words I type or something like that, then it's like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you get combos. Yeah, I get like combos. the faster you type. Because I like being crass. So <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, I did it for a while. I found it was very, it's, it was very fun when I didn't want to type something. But then as soon as I got over that hump, it was very You know what's weird? I actually, ty- I think I typed like a three page thing on it once. Completely forgot that it was doing because it. Because also, you know, especially <laughs> if you're typing a big thing, you'll be thinking for a while and then you'll come back to it and start typing again. After you know, take a little break, and so the counter, the combo counter runs down. Oh, yeah. and so then you build up your combo again, and, and you come back and you're you. panicked because you're like, "Oh fuck, I'm yeah. losing my combo." <laughs> it might be actually super useful for Nano Remo, honestly, That's as far possible. as like actually, cadence, yeah. You know, there's another thing which I think might be a web service. I'm not sure. Um, I can't remember what they call it. It's like there's some name for the mode that you can write in. Which if you stop typing, there's like a, there's like a timer that starts going down, right? So every time you stop typing, there's kind of cooldown activates. If at the end of that you haven't typed anything yet, it just starts deleting. <laughs> it just starts deleting stuff, starting where you are, what? and <laughs> trying to, I guess, encourage you to not just keep just going. To keep going, you know. That sounds um, like a great Nano Remo. That's thing. like Nano Remo hardcore. That's mode. very hardcore. It's like you know when you make your character in Diablo, and if it dies, then it's yeah. dead well, forever. Was, I mean, especially if like something happened. If you're like hanging out, like, and you drop your coffee cup on the ground, you're like, "Fuck, I gotta go clean this up before no, you I stain don't. my carpet forever." You don't have to clean nope. it up. Yeah. You gotta get your writing. Done. Okay, wait. So, so I can type <laughs> about 115 words per minute. Let's just say 100 for make for, it easy math. Make it easy math. If I wanted to type my NaNoWriMo book in one go, uh, whatever 50,000 divided by 100 is. Well, me, it's so 16 minutes, 17 minutes per day normally. So times 530. Minutes. 500 minutes. That's like a, that's under 10 hours. Yeah, no, it's just like a good day. You could write a whole novel 
Like nine hours. That's like well, one work day. <laughs> if you didn't stop to think, though. Something in the shape of an <laughs> I don't know. Listen, you know. listen. There's no, there's no law that defines what is or is not a novel. That is true. You know, it's just, just a pile the, of words. The critics' reviews back. Like, it's very. It starts novel out coherent. <laughs> It started out coherent. This is the most somewhat coherent novel-shaped text <laughs> I've no, but seen. This, but this is actually a super important point, though, which is that uh. it's, it sounds like an unbelievably complicated task to you know to write that many words. Um, but if you do think about it as a typing exercise, yeah. or more importantly, if you don't think about it, right. if you don't think write. about it at all and <laughs> just write, hours. it is yeah, it is something like nine hours worth of typing. And that's also assuming that somehow you don't just become because I like sometimes if I'm typing a really long <laughs> thing. At that speed, my hands get real fatigued. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. yeah. Like if, if I'm typing at that speed for like 15 minutes. Well, I think the thing is I've, I've never had to type at that speed for long because you, you usually think about stuff. What are you done? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is usually I'm done typing literally anything in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm Not doing that for though. nine hours. Uh-huh. I, I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. Just you know what? Do I'm a not day. gonna do Nano Remo. I'm gonna do Nano Weekend. Nano Nano Rye Weh Nano Rejam. Just do that. Yeah. Just to do it all in one weekend. Just fucking crank that shit out. Just do it. You know, like why are we fucking around with this? (laughs) Like why are we stretching this thing out over a month? It only takes nine hours. (laughs) (laughs) But But it is a question of how much. How much of the time is just spent, you know, thinking about what you're going to write? Because too I, much. Ideally zero. <laughs> ideally zero. But it was true back when I did mine, you know, fucking forever ago. Yeah. That it was actually the case. I did a little bit of planning before each writing session, just to think of like, what am I going to hit today? You know, it's a waste of time. No, but only a little bit. And then, and then I was just writing. But there were still little phases where I, you know, pause for thirty seconds or pause for mm-hmm. a minute or it's whatever. Too much. <laughs> but, but it is it is a question because I didn't I didn't think about it in those terms to ask the question of like, can I not? <laughs> well, either either can I not, or just what is my division of of labor between just instantaneously typing the thoughts that are happening versus planning a little bit and then starting to instantaneously type thoughts that are happening? Because it is it is still good to have like some groundwork period, you know, like a little bit of just re-outlining. You don't know you that know, though because you've, you've never typed it, without groundwork. I did it basically without thinking, and I got it done twice, and it was very fun. Well, think of, think about. When we so we talk about our design process and how it's very iterative and freeform, and we essentially have no fucking idea what we're doing, mm-hmm. and then eventually we just keep sort of slapping it around until the game pops out. Yeah, yeah, right? but that's about editing. That's not about writing. Because writing, if we're talking about like just straight writing without thinking about it, then you're just you're all you're doing is making the thing that you now need to slap around. Right. Well, except in in a game, you know, a lot of it is there systems that constantly interact with each other. Yeah. In writing, you're creating a sequential narrative. Yes, and yes, it does. Refer but a sequential back, narrative, back yeah, is, is a bunch of stories that all interact with each other. Yeah. And yeah. so, so really what you got to do, what you got to do is you got to, you got to just keep think, get keep in your mind, like, what have I said so far? Then how do I just keep moving forward? <laughs> right. Yep. You got to write your book in such a way as it never refers back to it. <laughs> it's a, well, that, it that lives that in doesn't the allow the past to change. So you, need to, write it, you need to write it in the present tense, I think is, is the important yeah. point because you, you could just, just narrate yourself <laughs> typing. You just live in the moment. <laughs> So I did, I did have the idea. I don't know if we talked about this before, but I had the idea of writing a book that helps people sleep. (laughs) What are you talking about? So I like to read before bed, Okay, but I always get so amped up. So I want a book that's, I want a book that's so fucking boring. That that's its purpose, right? That it's because also like Adam. So Adam said that sometimes he'll read really technical books before he falls asleep, so that it helps him fall asleep because you have to really like focus on mental effort. Yeah, but the problem is there's actually useful stuff in there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I stop reading. I stop reading when I start to miss things. Yeah, because that also means that I'm tired enough now that I can go. Yeah, and so what I want to do is I want to make a book that's so boring, but also useless. Right. Okay. That the whole point of it is to read it before bed <laughs> to help yourself just you know, I fade bet. into nothingness. <laughs> I bet if you follow this, this <laughs> I bet I, can do it. <laughs> I think you're making an incredibly boring book in just one weekend. I think I can do it. I <laughs> think- it should just be you narrating your weekend. 
But, but, it, but all you're doing that weekend is typing. So well, my, it's like, just you the narrating. I you're just the, looking around, typing about how, exactly the thoughts that are but going But the thing is, you're going to run out of stuff real quick. No, no. The vision I had for this book right was, you're out of interesting me. stuff. I've thought about this. <laughs> the, the vision I had for this book was to essentially just, just narrate through the day of the life of just a person just going about their business, going to work, you know. Literally but, nothing happens. But to do it like Proust, you know, like mm-hmm. just excruciating detail for no fucking reason mm-hmm. in every single dimension. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like the book starts with this guy's alarm going off, right? And then 20 fucking pages later, he finally turns it off. because <laughs> And all of those 25 pages were you describing the sound of the alarm. Right. And also describing mm. like how he feels about the sound of the alarm and like him deliberating whether he should hit the snooze or not. And then kind of doing the mental calculus of, you know, like if he sleeps for five more minutes, how much time will I have mm-hmm. to take off of? I'm getting like, sleepy you already. <laughs> I can shower tonight, I guess. So that's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do for breakfast, though? Exactly. You're killing me. Exactly. <laughs> and then he's going to like go through his inventory of what he remembers being in the kitchen. This sounds like a really good novel-shaped piece of text. <laughs> yeah, I could pound that thing out in nine hours. <laughs> yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then we got to find somebody who talks in the most monotonous way possible to narrate it. Because like I think soothing. this would be best, yeah, soothing monotonous. Because mm-hmm. this would be best as an audiobook. Because there has to be no surprise. So we need no like, surprise at all. It's boring as fuck. No surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay. What what celebrity can we bring in mm-hmm. who could have a really good like, but soothing, but not interesting? It's it's a hard combo. Yeah, I don't know to find. I think well, not hmm, Morgan Freeman. I mean, is very. No, soothing, I mean, he's just, but he's he's the always the voice of a guy. <laughs> you know, what we should do. We should figure this out but for I'll next say it's week. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We should. All right, we'll figure so this out next. next we'll podcast. figure this out next week. We'll talk about we'll talk about who which celebrity is going to narrate our put yourself to sleep most boring useless book in the universe. Well, novel shaped text. Novel shaped <laughs> novel novel sized yeah. collection of words. collection of pages that's technically bound like a book. Uh, <laughs> so that's all we have time for this week. We'd like to thank our studio wrangler Monique and our producer Fat Bar for putting this episode together, and the Beastcatch Dev team, Andy Tifa and Sure, for having our backs while we record this podcast. Special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, hop over to our Discord server at bit.ly slash bsdiscord. Come say hey. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, check out our shop, which is over at shop.bscotch.net. Uh, or if you'd like to adorn us, our bodies, with your merch. <laughs> We've got a mailbox, so if you want to send us something, uh, head on over to mailbox.bscatch.net. Also, we depend on great reviews to get new listeners, so if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, help us out by going to bit.ly slash cwbapple and give us a five-star review. It'll help other people find us, and it'll help us spread the word about the podcast all over the internet. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.